Hello and welcome to Hashtag General, where like the Oscars, we were almost hostless. Chris can't yeah. join us today because something came up last minute, so James has graciously decided to show his face. I don't know, are Hello. you... I remember at one point you're like, I don't want to be in front of camera. No, but uh, Logan is very persuasive when he goes like... <laughs> yeah, I, lots of weeping last night. The there was lots weeping, of weeping, gnashing of teeth. Uh, yeah, on my part, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it wasn't pretty. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. So I spared everyone on the stream from having to watch this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> today... Today is Oscar buzz. Just going to be what's, Oscars, what's Oscars. So, so Logan knows everything about the Oscars. I know nothing about them. So we're kind of, you know, it's it's a good. This is going to be a great. Right? Yeah, we're like so. If you don't know anything about the films that have been nominated, neither does James. No. So you're in great company, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Like, and you know, comment below if you want us to talk about anything in any movies that yeah. you really think that we should have. Or that should have been nominated, yeah, no, that so, weren't, or... Um, on Facebook, Twitch, and uh, I believe YouTube, if you do leave a comment, we should see those comments. We should. We should. Um, if you don't see your comment pop up, pop up on screen, that actually means that our system isn't working, so try one of the other services. Um, yeah, worked really hard to watch this. It's worth yeah. it. Uh, keynote, the one pro one that should be a problem, the other one should be fine, it's just Facebook. Apparently Facebook likes to break their API and then not tell anyone. Oh, that's good. So it's so if you're on any of the other services, this should be fine. If you're on Facebook and you're leaving a message and wondering why we're not responding, it's because Facebook is, well, for them, video is just an afterthought. But uh, Anyway, before we do go switching straight into movies and talking about the Oscars, I do want to give my sister grief because um, when Chris sent me a message going, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it Sunday, I reached out to my very, very short list of people who had already been like, yeah, I'd be willing to rehost or join in uh, as a host at some point. And... Uh, of the people, everyone had a great excuse except Caitlin. Caitlin's excuse was, I'm not sure I want to get out of bed and come and participate. Like that, That's a perfectly valid excuse. I'm just going to say, Caitlin, I'm on your <laughs> side. Because clearly we are at the bottom of the barrel. Well, yeah, but... Scrape it, scrape it. <laughs> Let her sleep in. She works. I work. Yeah, so You work. In. You have You're to sleep here. In. I was up at like seven. No, it's a, we're just going to bicker the whole time. We are going to bicker the whole time. This is our dynamic in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, but no, the reason why I'm going to give her grief over it is the amount of times I have driven hours to go see her in a play. She can't make the 20 minute drive to be on a show that no one watches. Yeah. Hours. 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 Glendale is hours away. No, I'm not talking Glendale. I'm talking Walla Walla. Okay. When, from when we were in college, it would be a three-hour drive to, and then an overnight stay to see her plays. And so she doesn't, I don't want to get out of bed, which is fine. Except at 10 o'clock last night, as I'm going to bed, Caitlin had finally watched A Star is Born and decides to text me why she thinks my opinion on A Star is Born is wrong. And I'm like, this is perfectly fine. Your opinion is valid. We could totally do this tomorrow, but no, she has to lay in bed. So, so watch out if Logan ever does something for you. 
<laughs> it's it's reciprocal. I, I I want something in return. He, I am he's like I'm the drag a... is like okay. I went to go visit Caitlin once, so Caitlin owes me one visit. Yeah, whatever I demand. Exactly. Okay. Actually, I did try to bribe her with scones. I said I will make I will make you breakfast, and that was she was still just like no. Don't bribe me with scones. <laughs> Logan's hair was in my scone last time. Like I got the one scone that was like full of hair. <laughs> what do you mean full of hair? There was like one strand. There was one strand of hair. And it wasn't really cooked all the way. <laughs> it was doughy. But anyway, we're learning. It's a learning process. Alright, so why don't we just switch on over into movies? Um Yes, I gotta do many things at once. Yeah. Uh we are in movies now. Woohoo! Um so again, if you have any thoughts or comments, feel free to leave them, and we will hopefully see them. Hey, is that a comment, or was it just nope. saying that it's, hey, nope. it's good to go now? It can, <laughs> the, the, the notification will show up. Yes. <laughs> the, um, so before we go into the films themselves, what was your take when the Oscars were like, hey, you know these big awards for like editing and cinematography? We're going to pre-record the award and the acceptance of the award and the whole speech at the thank you, and then just broadcast it later, edited, instead of, like, airing thought, it live. Isn't that what happens normally? I feel like... No, because normally there's some awards that are done, like, at a def- different event, not at the big ceremony, where they will do, like, a little edited package. I just don't remember, like, technical awards showing up. On TV, but I feel like it, I mean, it's been a long time. It's like there's some of like the more, like there's a whole category of awards that are like technical mm-hmm. that don't or are like part of the actual visual effects or something. No, like best that. visual effects is usually at the broadcast. Okay. There's an entire other category that is just not at the broadcast that has a different. They're like the science and technical awards or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like if you invent, but no, these like were like best cinematography, best editing, not necessarily awards that has historically been sidelined or not broadcast live hmm. and so everyone just kind of melted down gotcha so i'm guessing you were like oh that's a thing <laughs> no i mean i knew about that i mean i don't know it's definitely nice i don't know i'm trying to think of like if i was in if i was in that situation um you know it'd be nice to get your chance to kind of shine on tv i guess but it's becoming less and less relevant yeah, as time it's... goes on that it's like I feel like, you know, winning an Oscar is, you know, it's kind of enough. But I totally understand if some people kind of, well, you, like, can, you can have been, especially if you're winning an Oscar now, you probably, you know, grew up in a time where the ceremony was like a bigger deal than it is. And, um, you know, it's nice yeah. to like let people have their lifelong dream. It's like the Oscars are a slave to two masters. They are the fact that their ratings are in decline, which means that the network doesn't want to give them as much time mm-hmm. because well it just it's eating into other t- things yeah, it's like, do. What, it's else, just, what else is being aired what's yeah. so important on sunday night one time a year that's so important that who knows so they, they keep trying to make it a shorter broadcast because i think their hope is if we run a shorter broadcast more people will watch when the truth is uh you could mm-hmm. want a 20 minute broadcast and i'm not sure you're gonna ink somehow increase your numbers by just shortening the time so they keep trying to hit a shorter runtime but that means that they keep trying to cut things. And this year they were like, well, let's just pre-tape. Uh, instead of having commercial breaks, they would just have the award ceremony continue, pre-tape the stuff, and then quickly do a, like, a live edit and make that be when these awards are, are given out. And mm-hmm. I think 
think the problem and the concern that people had inside the industry was it wasn't what well, it was the two aspects that are almost pure film that were getting cut. Hmm. It was the editing which and cinematography, which are two aspects of the art form that don't really exist outside of film. I mean, you could say video games have started to do the same thing, but it's not uh it's not a for art part of the art form that has coming from another tradition. It's not a part of like theater that got brought into film, like directing is or writing is. These are these were created and developed as part of the art form of film, and they were the part that was getting cut. And that's why it seemed like you know, everyone had a hot take from inside the industry of how this was a bad idea. And it's just, it just seemed like the Oscars this year have been an unending cascade of missteps. Like first, there's no host, and everyone's like, yeah, "Why oh, God. couldn't they find a host?" Was it? Someone had uh, been brought on initially, and they had apparently they or? brought on Kevin Hart initially, okay. and as part of just how things are today, Your um, social media background check, social media background check it. didn't actually go all the way back to his 2010 social media Ooh, tweets. Yes. Like they they apparently stopped at like 2012, and like oh that's okay, because um, he had some homophobic tweets, and Kevin Hart instead of apologizing for it, kind of played the tried to flip it as oh this is some basically long story short he didn't apologize and a lot of people didn't think he genuinely felt or generally genuinely had like emotional remorse so he kind of got dropped relatively quickly but what i what the scuttlebutt was is that they tried to bring on a host, but all the people they had talked to had turned them down. Hmm. So Kevin Hart was like the last guy standing. And then when he kind of went under, they were just like, uh, hostless. So that works. Uh, it's, I think their big fear is a hostless awards. Can Is this going to go the way of the 1989 Academy Awards where it's, I don't I know we talked, Chris and I talked about this a few episodes back, but if you can watch the opening ceremony, opening sequence to the 1989 Academy Awards, it, it has this, it feels like you're watching a high school production of the Oscars, like, of, of the Oscars and it just keeps getting worse. It's just like a very slow moving train wreck and mm. you're just like, uh and so, I mean, that's a relatively low bar to try to pass, but heck, that's that's apparently the bar they set for themselves. So, I guess let's just kind of move in directly. James, I don't know I sent, if we could put the link in the chat. Um, I did share it on, it is shared on the Quality 3 Facebook page and on my personal Facebook page. Um, you can go ahead and vote on what film you think should be the best picture winner. Sure. Uh, so let me get that link for yeah, you. Yeah, grab that link, throw it in chat, just so that way it can be viewed on all the places. Um. So I'm gonna just kind of at this point, you the only one you have seen is Black Panther, right? You haven't seen any of the other nominees. Correct. Okay. 
So I'm going to go in the IMDb alphabetical order, which means that the word A and the is included as part of the title. So if you're wondering why we're going in this order, I felt this is the best way to do it. Because that way no one can sit there and be like, Logan thinks this. I will get to my thoughts. <laughs> we <laughs> Me, will. an opinion? Yeah, Never. Um, so let's just yeah, start. I was about to be replaced by a broom. <laughs> no joke. Um, Logan was just going to talk to a broom. Uh, we're basically at the same point. Like, we can, like, brush things here and clean you up. Um, so, and eventually you'll see me just like, yes, Logan, yes. That is a great point. Anyway, yeah. continue. <laughs> so, uh, starting with A Star is Born, uh, I think this, what's interesting about this film is it has an amazing first act. And then it just completely falls apart. Uh, I was having a conversation with this um, at work, and both me and one of my bosses, we were both like, we felt like it started really, it, it starts really strong. Like, it is honestly what, probably one of the best first acts of all the films that have been nominated this year. But then the, it, the film quickly devolves into a bunch of welcome back to film school where you're what you think is important as a freshman filmmaker actually isn't important to where a lot of scenes will just run a little too long things that should have been cut entirely or trimmed down are just left in because they're important and it's just like they're um hey laura how's it going laura hi anyway um so where the problem I felt is like there's I think the best scene for it is there's a uh, scene a, a scene with Dave Chappelle where he plays like an old friend of uh, Bradley Cooper's character and there is a they pulled from that scene and put it in the trailer a line of his going I've known you for a long time but this is the first time I'm actually worried about you hmm. so that scene that is included in the trailer and. It is not included in the film itself. So in the trailer, there's actually more uh, indication of who he is as a character than there actually is in the film itself. So you're kind of like, who is this character? Why is he here? And if you hadn't seen the trailer, you wouldn't have known, oh, Dave Chappelle's character has a bit of backstory where it's like an old friend of Bradley Cooper's character, which is why he's there. Otherwise, you're just like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Why is this entire sequence included? It just is... That is kind of the general, I think... That is the summation of A Star is Born's second and third act, where there's just a lot of sequences and parts of the film where it just, they didn't need to be included. And if he had trimmed it down, I think he would have walked out with probably one of, like, honestly, a ridiculously solid debut film for a director. Like... First-time director, if that first act had been that strength that carried on throughout the film... I would honestly be saying it's one of the best films of the year, but because of the second and third act, it just honestly yeah, it, shouldn't, like, yeah, it, it, it shouldn't be nominated. Yeah, like I actually am excited to see what Bradley Cooper starts to bring as a director going forward. But there's a lot of rookie mistakes in the film that just I think preclude it from being included 
it, it just shouldn't have been nominated. This is the this is one of I think uh, really two films where I just don't get why they're why it's included. Hmm. Um, what would you have replaced it with? Was there? A well, yeah. Let's actually just go into uh, to just kind of step into it. The films that I kind of wish had gotten more recognition are. And I know some of these you actually have mm-hmm. seen. So first off, uh, it is "Sorry to Bother You," which that's a good one. Yeah, it's fast. It was a very interesting film. It was again another instance of a first-time film director making mm-hmm. a movie where I don't think it has the structural issues that Plague of Star is born. Like, I mean, it has like an interesting structure, but again, it sort of. It embraces it, I think. Yeah. Like, like it oh, is kind of a strangely built film. It's a strangely but... built film, but the film itself is just strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, half of the appeal of it is it's a very just odd film. I mean, like, one of the core concepts is uh, a black man works at a call center and puts on his white voice. And it's what, yeah, Patton Oswalt and David Cross doing the white voices for mm-hmm. these characters. And it's just. There's a whole level of absurdity in this film that it just embraces, mm-hmm. and it should have it should have received more acclaim than it has. Um, Is it nominated for anything? I don't think it was nominated for anything. Hmm. Um, another film that I know you've seen that kind of didn't get nominated for anything, but I think it got a couple WGA nods, and uh, is Eighth Grade, which uh, Bob Burnham. Film, again, another first-time filmmaker who I think made a better, has a better case for why it should have been included because the performance, I don't remember her name, but the performance of the lead actress is just, there's, she's doing a lot of things with like how she held herself and her body that a lot of mature actors just don't know how to do. Like the, she just would hold herself in a way where her anxiety kind of came off or she's trying to like keep herself in. That's something that a lot of actors don't really do. Like that's something that I know when we were in film school, we were always told to try to like bring out in your actor is their, the performance of their body and their voice to where there a lot of people will emote with their face but they won't emote with their voice or with their body and she did and so you have a first time film director who has a very I mean you would describe it as uncomfortable to watch that film yeah. right like I'm not was not a preteen girl and I didn't have like the level of social awkwardness I have has always been a constant but I never had like the awkward high school experience or middle school experience that she did and I felt like oh man what little bits of insecurity I had were like coming to the floor and me being like oh yeah I I had my awkward moments and how'd you I mean uh, I feel like a coming of age film is a little bit tricky to put together at least for me it just kind of feels like they often just hit kind of the same points which don't always feel like it doesn't feel relevant to me. Like it just feels like there's kind of a in the film world way of growing up. And even if it's like a well-made film, it still kind of feels like it's these same little points. Um, so to me, like that movie and like Lady Bird and what was the one about the kind of conversion camp? Oh, uh, uh, Boy Erased. Boy Erased. Like they're not, they're like 
well put together films, but it doesn't feel like a different thing. It just feels like okay, you did like a nice job at making that kind of film. Where when going back to sorry to bother you, that's like when I was watching that, it was like a completely I've never seen a movie like this before. Yeah, and which was really exciting because a lot of times you do kind of see the same thing over and over again. So. Yeah, and to skip ahead, um, the other film that I'm like, why is this film nominated? We're gonna skip Black Klansman and Black Panther for a second. Green Book, I think, falls into that same category. I think this is something that is a problem with a lot of Oscar bait, is that they are good films, they're they're adequate, mm-hmm. but they're, they just lack imagination. Like, they, here are the story beats, we're going to hit all these story beats, you're going to feel good about yourself, but we're going to tell kind of a story that touches upon, like, a, a trending issue, like, either race or gender or, like... And, but it never seems to elevate itself above just good. Hmm. And I think that's... I can see that argument for Bowie Race. I can also see that one with 8th Grade. But I, I think with 8th Grade, the reason why I think it should have been included, whereas Green Book shouldn't have been, again, the two I don't think shouldn't have been nominated are Stars Born and Green Book, is there is this performance by a young actress that is beyond what you would have expected someone who's I think she's only 13 to deliver Hmm. Um, and I think that's what elevates the film and helps make it stand out is it has a true authentic delivery that you wouldn't have have expected from but like I don't think I don't think you're like you should win an Oscar just because like wow you had a young person in the I feel like they have to really just live on their own and so I feel like saying like wow she was very young to win an oscar is like one thing but sort of like well it's saying, oh the performance was good for a 10 year old i think it was good for a 90 year old it's just like let's just i think her performance, performance good. was good though and yeah. that's the thing is i think you can remove the qualifier to where the reason why i'd include that performance was good for a 13 year old is because i wouldn't have expected that kind of performance from a 13 year old whereas if you say oh the performance is good for a 13 year old it's like you're lowering the bar so yeah. I, I guess it's just You're making the semantic like the accomplishment thing. not as, yeah uh, because yeah. it was honestly probably one of the better performances of the year and nothing another another film that I thought would have received some form of accolade is uh, Blind Spotting which I know I don't think you saw with me like, I know I went I think this is when I saw with Caitlin. And it's about a man who's on probation in Oakland. He's on the last few days of his probation. And it's kind of this weird Shakespearean telling of just that of his life at that point. Because there's a lot of, like, if you ever study, like, Shakespeare in, like, in college or in an English, English class, a lot of the structure and a lot of the traits of a Shakespeare play are evident in this film but while watching it you would not have been like oh i'm watching a shakespeare play but when you're looking thinking back on it you're like oh man there's a lot of those beats that you would have seen in a shakespeare play or in blind spotting even to the point where in the climax he has a whole soliloquy Hmm. so it's but they built up to that point to where it doesn't feel forced i mean there's a few things in that film that i think are flaws especially the running dream sequence but that was a film that i also felt like should have received more acclaim and acknowledgement than it did um so we've covered the stars born 
I'll touch back on Green Book when we get to it, but it, again, falls into that category of okay, but not great. Uh, Black Klansman. Black Klansman, did you see this one with me or no? No, no yeah, you haven't. I haven't seen right. anything. You haven't seen anything. Broom, right here. Yeah. Black Klansman, it's... I mean, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it. I appreciated the message it was trying to deliver. I'm... Not as familiar with Spike Lee as I should be, so I can't rate it on where Spike Lee's films should land. But, you know, it's it's not Oscar bait, which is, I think, for me, one of the big selling points. is It's a solid, well-put-together film that didn't feel like it was trying to pander to an Oscar audience as much as it tried to stay true to what it was trying to tell. Hmm. Um, so... You know, I think it's a worthy nomination and a decent film. I think Black Panther... What's interesting about Black Panther is I feel like a lot of people try to um, cluster it in with um, uh, Green Book or Stars Born or Bohemian Rhapsody where everyone's like, why is this film nominated? And I think Black Panther is... I. I get why it's nominated. It's not going to win. But I think the reason it was nominated is it somehow struck a chord that resonated beyond the comic book film audience. Where it, for being just a typical Marvel comic book film, it Mm -hmm. became a cultural touchstone in a way I don't think anyone expected. I I mean, I think it is interesting how, like, a Marvel film is not an Oscar film. Yeah. Just like, that's the general kind of consensus. Which seems a little strange because I feel like a Marvel movie could end up being, like, Oscar-worthy. I mean, if they really, you know, got the writing down and all this stuff, it, like, it could be an Oscar-worthy film. It could be the yeah. best film made in the year. But it still wouldn't win because it's, a Marvel film. Well, it's, so it runs sort of into like the movie, movies that are allowed to win Oscars and movies that aren't allowed to win. Yeah, Oscars. it's going to be. It's the same problem that like science fiction and fantasy and uh, often run into is that the, the Academy just doesn't take them seriously. So it's kind of, I think it's a tribute to the cultural impact the film has is that it was able to at least break through and get a nomination. Whether or not it should win Best Picture, I don't think it should win Best Picture, but. I'm not upset at the nomination. It's like it's one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, if you were gonna pick a comic book film from the past few films, past few years to nominate, the only one that I might do instead is the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is up for the animated film. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to win animated film, but that's the only one that I think I would. That's the only comic book film hill i would die on when it comes to academy award nominations other than black panther and i know a lot of people are like oh it's not even the best comic book movie of the year and they immediately tried to hold up uh infinity war and i'm just like no i think i think black panther is in a better position for it but again just because i don't think it should win doesn't mean it shouldn't be nominated whereas other films like green book and a star is born i don't think they should have gotten the eventual nomination also, again, to continue, Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Why are why are Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, and A Star Is Born even like they? I can see them getting like the early voting nod. I don't see why these three films got the nomination. Bohemian Rhapsody is it's fun. It's an enjoyable film. It is not an Academy Award worthy film. It is it is good for what it is, and it is nothing beyond that. Uh, Rami Malek deserves a nod for his performance, and that's it. That's the only thing from Bohemian Rhapsody that sh- stood out in any way to where it should have received any awards attention, and that was his performance as Freddie Mercury. But the film itself is very superficial, has a lot of flaws, it glosses over a lot of details, It's, but I guess it falls into the same feel-good category that a lot of Oscar bait films try to tend to fall into, but I think A Star is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Green Book, of the Oscar bait films that came out this year, they're the three that I was kind of like, really? Like, there's also, forgot to mention, First Man should have been in, uh, received a nominee uh, nomination. I'm surprised that of the ones that did get a nod, that uh, on the basis of sex, the one about Ruth Bader Ginsburg... I'm surprised it didn't get a nod and Green Book did. Uh, you could also make a similar argument for something like Mary Queen of Scots or uh, Boy Erased, where, yeah, they fall into kind of the same Oscar bait, feel good, the film is like well put together, mm-hmm. but not like great. And, but Green Book is the one that gets the nod. It, I would argue it's probably one of the weakest of the Oscar bait films. And it's the one that's, and it's a favorite, apparently. It is on, a, it won the Golden Globe. It's just, I don't know why. I. So, yeah. The Oscars this year, I think what the, my summation of it is, there's a bunch of films where I'm just like, why did this film get the nomination? And there's a couple of films where I'm like, yeah, this one should be nominated in it. Like, I'm not going to be upset if it wins. And there's like only like two films. You're going to hear that. first, folks. Some movies should have been in the list. Some of them shouldn't have. First time ever, newsflash. Newsflash. Logan has opinions. Hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. These Lo- Logan's opinions don't always mesh with reality. opinions. um and so let's get to roma which i know you haven't watched yet soon you're gonna watch soon i i forced myself to watch it on netflix and that's my only critique of the film is was on myself that i watched it on netflix instead of going to a theater because you looked into this before and it was not easy to find it in a theater it was it was it's not the easiest to find it's right i guess yeah let's to kind of go into the whole Netflix aspect of it, Netflix is still refusing to give what the National Association of Theater Owners wants as a release window. Hmm. Where under the rules to get a wide release in the major chains like AMC or Regal, you have to hold the film from any home video distribution, and that includes streaming, for 90 days. And Netflix won't do it. Roma, they kind of finally admitted that they needed to do a limited theatrical release Mm -hmm. before it goes to streaming, so that way they could actually... That's the only way you can win an Oscar, right? Yeah, in order to get 
be awards eligible, they had to do... Uh, it has to be playing in theaters in New York, L.A., and I think Toronto. And so I could have gone to see it, but it always was like whenever I could go see it, it was not playing at a theater that was either convenient to me or at a time that I could make it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it had been in a wide release or if they had put on this 90-day gate, it would have played at like the Arclight, the AMCs, the basically every theater chain would have grabbed it because... Roma, to just get it out there, Roma is the best picture on the nominee list of the year, period, end of story. It should win. It should walk away with the Oscar for best film, best director. Like It's probably going to win best cinematography. Afonso Caron is freaking a genius, and he deserves the win. And I really wish I saw it in theaters. So I guess my... Yeah, I mean... The way that I feel like the world is moving is that it's seeing it in theaters might become less and less relevant. Um, yeah. Because it's like your home viewing experience is going to get better and better as time goes on. Well, um, and then to get into... Like, like why, why, why only allow... Like, what if the best film was made on YouTube? That's well, going to happen probably one of these years. Oh, but, God. Like, what if, well, well, why are you saying, oh, God, about it? It's because like, YouTube's original content tends to be crap. I'm not saying it's... But it's it, what, if, what if, like, you made a film, put it on YouTube, and it was, like, an Oscar-worthy film? Yeah. Like, it, it's a why, legit question. Why wouldn't it be allowed to kind of compete in this, like... It's all the same. The world rules now. need to be adjust- adjusted, and the truth is, if you have a 4K TV that is capable of handling HDR, you probably actually have a better screen than some theaters. Just period. It is possible to have a better experience in your home than at a movie theater. With, uh, I mean, it's a multi-thousand-dollar investment, but. If you're interested in that kind of thing and you have the disposable income for it, it's entirely possible to have a better experience. I watched it on my iPad, and that's not the best experience you can get. But, I mean, it was like, (laughs) I'm just going to make an argument for not going to movie theaters because they're kind of awful sometimes. (laughs) It's like, I have to go somewhere. It has to be at a really specific time. Uh, You have to, like, worry about getting the right seat. You have to, you know sit with like a bunch of other people and like you know are the seats not comfortable blah 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 it's you know it i think what it falls into especially with um roma and with gravity his last film these are the kind of films where roma doesn't have these grand special effects driven sequences <clears throat> but it the way it was shot it's like you could tell that you are going to get a better experience on this big screen i think they shot it at I don't think he shot it in digital 70 millimeter, but it, it was it was very well shot to where it's worth seeing it on a big screen. <clears throat> Gravity, there's a reason I've never watched it on home video. It's because that is a film that needed to be seen in a theater. And I think that's something, to your point, a lot of these films that are nominated, I'm not sure that seeing it in the theater made it the ultimate experience. Whereas with Roma, I think I would have gotten more out of it if I had seen it in the theater. Whereas something like Green Book, you could you can stream it and you're going to get the exact same experience that you did at the theater. Probably even better because the guy who was sitting next to me in the theater when I watched it, 
kept laughing at the Medea trailer, but going, oh, God, during moments in the movie. It's just like, I wish I could have, like, deleted him Logan from had my to sit experience. next to himself for a while, and it was, too, it was awful. No. <laughs> Logan hearts Medea. <sighs> Hello. But it's... I think that's something that can be said about just film in general, is it's hard to value... Like, there are films where, yeah, you need to, you, to get the best experience you want to see it on the big screen and maybe the audience eh, you could take or leave or take but Roma is one that I wish I'd seen on a big screen and but again yeah I think Roma is Roma should walk away with the best picture would you say that should moviegoers uh, follow the like if, if a filmmaker says, like, I made this film for the big screen, you should go see it on the big screen. Is that the direction that this should go in? Or should it be like, hey, everyone's watching movies on their phone. Maybe, sh- like, shoot the film with that experience in mind. I mean, what do you think? I think some people are keeping that in regard. Uh, I don't remember where I saw this, but I remember reading that as phones are becoming more in prominence, one of the reasons why we were starting to see cinematography adjust into where we're now having more close-ups. And again, I don't remember where I saw this. This could be... Someone could probably find some contradictory evidence and be more right than I am. But the the argument that people have made is the reason why we're seeing more close-ups is because people aren't necessarily watching it on even their television anymore, that you might be watching something on your phone or your iPad or on a device where having this wide shot isn't necessarily going to be the best or most effective way for the screen the person's watching. So I think we have started to see that change. But at the same time... There are some people out there who have gone like, oh, you should watch our film. We wanted it to be on the big screen. So you should watch it on the big screen. There are movies out there where you don't need to see it on the big screen. And sadly, a lot of the, what I would quote, call Oscar bait, are the type of films where I don't feel like I needed to have seen them on the big screen. But like, I'm just, Um, I'm asking like, as a filmmaker... Should you be telling the audience what to do or responding to the audiences? Well, you could make the argument because I I should find this. Uh, Apparently, Alfonso Cuaron, for Roma, the reason he went with Netflix for distribution, even though he knew that it would run into this whole limited theatrical release, was by going to where the audience was, he figured more people would watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why he ended up go, uh, agreeing to the terms with Netflix. Because I think there was a bidding war over it. And he could have turned down Netflix's offer. But he figured by going through Netflix, more people would actually watch the film. Which I think he's probably right. I would not be surprised if more people, especially after the awards ceremony tonight, if it walks away with Best Picture, more people are going to tune in and watch it because it's available to stream immediately on Netflix than they would if it was still in its theatrical release window. Mm-hmm. And then they'd have to wait a couple weeks. Because um, one of the films that's nominated for Best Director is an Amazon release, and Amazon does follow the 90-day uh, theatrical gate. It's a Polish film, I believe, called Cold War. And you can't watch it right now unless you can get into a theater screening. And I don't think there there was like no theater screening in L.A. that I could catch. And 
or would have access to because they would limit it to Academy voters. So to watch Cold War, which is, again, it's a nominated film, it's not going to be outside of that release gate until next month. So if it wins, say, Best Director or Best Cinematography, which I think are the two awards it's up for, you can't watch it. Uh, so I think I think what needs to happen... So it sounds, yeah, it sounds like the Oscars are kind of their own worst enemy. They're trying to be... They are their own worst enemy. Like, they're being so exclusive that they're just, like, excluding themselves, like, right out of relevance. Well, first off, you have recency bias, which means that if you want your film to do well in the awards, the, er, like, October is generally the earliest you want your film to come out. Black Panther is kind of like an anomaly in that everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Black Panther. It's been oh, it's been out for over about a year now. It came out in theaters in February last year." And every other film, it's October or later. So if your film came out in December, that 90-day window, if you're Amazon or Netflix, is going to run through March. So if you're Netflix, you're going to just be like, "No, we're not going to do it. We're going to do indie theaters." I think I think we're hitting a point where distribution-wise, I think the studios are going to be pushing harder, especially now that Disney's doing their own service, that they're going to be pushing harder to be like, hey, we need to limit down this release window. Or for have a different rule based off the type of film. If it's a blockbuster like a Star Wars or the next Avengers movie, maybe, yeah, you have that 90-day release window because those films can play in the theater for 90 days, potentially. But for something like Roma or Cold War or Favorite, it's they don't need that release window. Because the truth is, if those films win an Academy Award, theaters are going to bring them back, regardless of whether or not they have a home video release. It is possible for a film to have a home video release and still be available in theaters and sell tickets. I know I've seen it because uh, to go back to uh, when I worked at a theater, uh, Wes Anderson's film, uh, God, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, we were still playing it and it was still selling tickets and it was available on Blu-ray. So it's possible like to have a concurrent theatrical screening and a home video release people are going to be willing and especially in los angeles and new york where there's a lot of industry people to buy a movie ticket even though that movie ticket is going to be almost as much as the blu-ray itself Mm -hmm. so there i think they need to rethink their strategy because like they're shooting themselves in the foot with the oscars it's sort of Again, going back to the kind of exclusivity thing, it's like the people who vote are kind of like shrouded in mystery a little bit. Um, it's very formal. Do you think it's the best? It'd be interesting to hear what, like what you guys say too. If you want to comment, yeah, um, join the chat. Folks. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, is it the best <clears throat> way to give awards now, or do you think like a it's like a People's Choice or something, uh. like something where it's like and it's it's like that might be too democratic, but like I'm just wondering if yeah, having it be so kind of holier than thou in its kind of image but, and everything, if if that's partly what's damaging. The, there's two things I want to unpack with this okay. question because first off, 
and this is the thing I've said before and I'll continue to say probably mm-hmm. forever, is the Academy Awards aren't necessarily a good indicator of what the actual best films of the year are. Mm-hmm. It's prom. There is a lot of advertising, there is a lot of parties, there is a lot of schmoozing that goes on around the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, what if what if the Oscars, you only could nominate, like, if it was, like, ten years behind? So right now, we're talking the best films of 2008, and, like, if the nomination took into account, like, longevity of the film and, like, does it have that would be power? Like, like, not necessarily Oscars, but, like, some kind of award that was, like... That would actually be a very interesting award. That's uh, almost, like, AFI? Yeah, AFI, kind of, like, the um, Lifetime Achievement Awards type thing, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, you're looking at the body of someone's work or... Like, this Kennedy Center thing, where it's, like, the award feels more, like... Yeah, like, I've seen a lot of their stuff. Well, it was kind of like to go back to a show that may or may not ever come back with uh, when we were doing Lights, Camera, Reaction. One of the ideas behind it was we wouldn't include or discuss films that were had been made in the past five years. And the mm-hmm. reason for that was a film might come out and be everyone watched it, everyone saw it, everyone loved it, and then five years later, no one cares. To go with the whole thing with the Academy Awards, where I say it's like prom, is you have a whole lot of stuff going on behind the scenes of the awards themselves where people are jockeying per position, where it isn't going to be this arbitrary or... um, not. It actually is. It's an arbitrary award in that People are going to be whining and dining you. You're going to be, if you're a nominee, you're expected to attend a ton of parties or go to all these events so the Academy voters can interact with you. And how you interact with them, like if you leave, if they'd be like, oh man, this person was really nice, they might vote for you even though they've never actually seen the film you're nominated in. So it's, there's a lot of, it's not, when people vote, there is a lot of things that they're taking into account from politics to like culture at the time to where it is not an objective vote. They're not sitting there and objectively stating this is the best film of the year because they no, it's, it, it, it's any award. Any and that's award any award. So and stuff like that. But so when people sit there and be think or get upset because, you know, some film got shafted or uh, this film should win. The thing I've always kind of fallen to is Alfred Hitchcock. Um, He's only had one film ever win Best Picture, and it's Rebecca. And it's a good film. I mean, most of Hitchcock's films are good films. But when you say Alfred Hitchcock, most people aren't going to think of Rebecca. Sure. So that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, because it won Best Picture doesn't mean that it's the best film he ever made. Um Best Picture means that at the time it was the most popular with the people in the industry. And in five years, that film might not matter. It isn't necessarily going to be taught at film school just because it won Best Picture. In fact, it might be ta- it might be discussed as a, oops, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so I always, it's it's interesting because we both work either in or adjacent to the industry it's interesting because there's a lot of desire behind it. Like, everyone in the industry cares. Even as much as I deride it and call it prom, you sure as shit 
will bet if I ever do anything that is ever nominated, I am going to do my damnedest to make sure it wins because it's the goddamn Academy Award. But at the same time, it's it's the recognition of your peers that I think matters for the Academy Award. It doesn't necessarily mean that your film is going to stand the test of time because... Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, is that even a fair thing to ask a film to do? Like, I'm sure, like, isn't it okay for some films to sort of have an expiration date? Or yeah. Or do they need to be, again, in 100 years you're still watching Hot Tub Time Machine? Or does it just exist in the time that it is in and kind of, like, fade away? I mean, there's so many movies that were made in, like, the 40s with a kind of, like, studio system where it's just, like, boom, 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 one a, one a week and stuff. Um, that you like you don't really remember now because yeah they were the seat fillers yeah they're, the, they're reality TV of its time and it's fine. Well, also look at it at this time where there was no television and that was the primary form of like visual entertainment was the movie theater, mm-hmm. and so the audience rates for the 30s and 40s were through the roof. If we were having like comparative to then rates of attendance, I think it would be a hundred million people per week would be watching movies. And it's just so like... It's, that's what YouTube is. Yeah. And there's some good content on YouTube. Are there, are there like, YouTube awards? I don't know about that. There's, like, streamies and stuff, but... Um, it'd so, be interesting if, if YouTube started, or, like, maybe not necessarily just YouTube, but, like, online kind of video that's created outside of a system. It'd be interesting if there was kind of a... Like, a heavy-duty award that was more than just, like... The, the like gold play I think yeah because like I think a bit more like what are the Oscars for I think the Emmys have started to try and do a bit more maybe but it's is there like an online Emmys I forget what it is but I know uh, like something like Dr. Horrible won an Emmy I think uh, yeah, some, I feel like on like YouTube is almost the same as TV even though it's, yeah. I don't know, what's the difference between TV and film? It seems like... You, well, anymore, you like, could almost say that television, like, to get really into it, you could say that something like Game of Thrones or um, some, like, binge-style programming where it is very much a serialized show mm-hmm. are actually films that are hours long rather than, well, like... Each it's like each season of Game of Thrones is like a ten hour movie, whereas a film you see in the theater is only a two hour movie. I think that's an yeah, argument. I mean, yeah, that it's like made, what's, what's but... the difference between those two? It's like some movies are also in series. Sometimes there's yeah. like two or three parts, and sometimes there's not. You know, I think the line is starting to blur. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I know to go back again to when I worked at a theater. One thing I did say is theaters should be trying to be more aware of the big hit shows because I know I would and you probably wouldn't and I'm sure the average person wouldn't I would have been willing to pay for tickets to see Game of Thrones on a big screen I've actually done it I've seen I saw when Game of Thrones had their IMAX release of like the last two episodes of I think season three they did a limited IMAX release and I went to see that I would have been willing to pay probably a ridiculous amount of money if you had it charged at the same rate as like a ticket for each episode to where like every Sunday I would could go watch the new episode of Game of Thrones in a theater just because of the screen. It'd be very interesting to do it. And I think that's, uh, I think that is a potential 
means of exploring other forms of entertainment that can be distributed in a theater that they should touch upon. But yeah, if you start doing that, does that mean Game of Thrones all of a sudden it can be Academy Award nominated? Yeah. Like it's like having all the awards be separate, I guess, is becoming more confusing. Yeah, it's especially since a lot of the talent now is it's everywhere. Everywhere. It's like someone who worked on a TV show also works on movies. It's like they're the 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 old separation between film and television where like film was a superior format have kind of just died. Yeah. Especially since there's a lot of really good television that is better than a lot of films out there. Um, but the second thing, because we've gone on a really long tangent over whether or not the awards matter, the second thing is, in terms of the relevance of the awards, I think that's one of the reasons why Black Panther got nominated. Um, it's also, I think, one of the reasons why they keep trying to figure out this idea of like a popular, best popular movie, which is, I think what it really is, is that they haven't quite figured out a way to phrase it in a way that doesn't sound either condescending or isn't just giving an award to the film that got the best, uh, you know, the highest grossing film at the box office. Because if you, I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, if you had like this popular movie award, like what would be nominated this year? And I'm just like, well, you know what? You have stuff like Black Panther probably would be nominated. Uh, Avengers probably get nominated. It's something, something like, um, Crazy Rich Asians would have been nominated for something like a popular film, and it was not, at least I don't think it was one of the top, it's definitely in the top 20, it might be in the top 10 grossing films of the year. So you don't want to do it based off box office, and you don't really want to do it based off like critical acclaim or even audience acclaim as much as like the rules behind how do you determine what would get nominated for this popular film category is I think their real problem and how they phrase it because I can see the Academy being like, Hey, given how film is starting to become more and more 10 films take more than half of the box office gross each year. There needs to be some recognition that, you know, a lot of these films, they're not bad. We wouldn't call them, you know, the best picture of the year. But we should acknowledge the fact that this is a major part of the art form anymore. And I think that's what they're trying to do. At least that's what I hope they're trying to do. And I can see, like, I was thinking about, like, well, what for the past few years could be nominated for something like this? And I was like, well, you know, like, in 2016, I... Force Awakens would have just come out and it probably would have walked away with an award like that. You also have films like Wonder Woman probably would have gotten a nomination for something or um, Black Panther. Like, there's a lot of films where I could see the Academy being like, hey, we want to recognize the importance of this film, but also at the same time, we don't want to say it was the best picture of the year. And I think that's a fair some assessment. So it's... They keep putting it off because I think they're trying to figure out how to phrase it, and I couldn't tell you how you should what you should call that category mm-hmm. or the rules to determine how a film should fit in that category. Because again, box office critical, like your Rotten Tomato score shouldn't make you a guarantee for that film because there are some films where they probably deserve a nomination, but they don't have like a ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And a lot of films that have a 99% are probably going to be on the best picture list, but wouldn't necessarily be popular. So, like, how Does you... Rotten Tomatoes have an award? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, but it's... 
I don't know how you would do it, but that's something I, I get why they're wanting to do it. And it's actually why I'm kind of in favor of it. They just need to figure out how to phrase it hmm. and explain it to people and set up the rule system. Because that's the thing is when they're like, hey, this we're going to do a new category of most popular picture or best popular picture. And everyone freaks out. I think it's because they didn't say, hey, this is how it's going to work. And if you by calling it best popular, it immediately just everyone's trying to figure out what that means and they need to they need to explain what that means and come up with a better name uh but though that's something i would like to see down the road because there are some films out there where you i can see the academy wanting to recognize them but not necessarily wanting to give them the big one so oh that's roma (laughs) and a huge long long tangent the last two films, uh, first is The Favorite. Uh, the Favorite and Roma, I think, are the only two of the nominated films this year where I would want one of them to walk away with Best Picture. Um, every other film, it's either I go fall into the, it's okay, shouldn't win, or why was this nominated <laughs> category. Uh, favorite, Roma. Roma was amazing. And that's why I think it should win. Favorite was really, really, really good. It was a wonderful piece of film. There's a lot of good craftsmanship inside that film. It was a good script, good direction, a lot of interesting choices. It was a very interesting film to watch. I would watch it again, same with Roma, which is something I probably wouldn't say for any film besides Black Panther. Um, So it's, it's... my second choice is, I guess, the best way to put it. I think Roma takes the cake, but if this one wins, yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, Vice, for the last one, Vice is... I mean, it's good. I enjoyed it, but I think... I think Christian Bale is probably the one person who might be able to compete with uh, Rami Malek for Best Actor. But the film itself, I get why a lot of people didn't like it. I also, I haven't seen Inside Job, which is the uh, Adam McKay's uh, previous film, which was about the the stock market and housing collapse in 2008. And apparently a lot of people have, so this is me stating what I've read, not necessarily what I could say as a viewer, because I haven't seen Inside Job, is... That it's very, very similar. Like, he basically did the same shtick in a different movie with a different character, like, different event. In this case, Dick Cheney's bio life rather than the housing and economy collapse of 2008. So, I get why it's kind of falling into this also. But it's, I think, if there was a third one where I'm like, yeah, I can see this one winning and I'd be okay with it, it's probably Vice. So. That's that's my rundown on the Academy Awards. There's a rundown. Rundown. Um, What's next? Let's just end it on a very sour note. Ew. <laughs> no. Make it fun. Make it fun. No, I. There's been a trend going along uh, on recently around Captain Marvel, where we hadn't it hadn't even been screened for press or early audience testing yet and it was already getting downvoted or basically they were trying to game the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes basically try to make it look like the film was bad or it was going to do poorly at the box office and it's this 
it's a trend we've seen where to basically give you the brief rundown, what happened is Brie Larson was started doing press events for Captain Marvel and noticed there's a lot of straight white men doing the press. So she was doing a lot of interviews with people like you or me. And she was like, you know, I'm in a position where I can kind of try to do some change. She's like, I want to be interviewed by a more diverse group of press. Perfectly fair. Totally reasonable. I get it. It's something that should happen. Because, get this, nerds aren't all white men. I might be a nerd. I know plenty of nerds who aren't don't look like me, and I'm not talking about long hair. I'm talking about gender and race. So, having more diverse opinions inside that landscape is something that needs to happen. And she was in a position to make it happen. So, what do some people do who happen to look like me? They start throwing a fit. And I'm getting tired of it. I, it's same thing happened with Force, uh, Force. Actually, yeah, the same thing happened starting with Force Awakens. The moment the trailer played, and there's a black stormtrooper. People are like, "There's no like they they try to come up with these rational explanations that actually don't make any sense inside of either the universe that the film takes place in to push this agenda of these films are for straight white dudes make it all about straight white dudes and it's like no it's not it has never been that way by pushing that idea we're actually disenfranchising a bunch of people who are fans of these series get over the fact that the protagonist isn't going to be someone who looks like you or that the person who is playing the protagonist wants to talk to someone who doesn't look like you it's something that it needs to happen by enabling these other voices in you are not being outcast or shunned it's like when your mom said hey you need to share the toy you're not being punished it's being a decent fucking human being and that's kind of why i get angry about it well i'm convinced (laughs) so just be decent fucking human beings people (laughs) and can we please just stop this goddamn nonsense Uh, But speaking of Captain Marvel, uh, Chris and I are both planning to watch it. The next broadcast of Hashtag General is going to be actually happening this Sunday after Captain Marvel opens. So it's going to be a very spoiler-tastic episode. So if you... Spoilerific and, yeah, send along what you want to talk about. So... It's a live show. It's a live show. You can interact. There's one person on Facebook right now. So whoever you are... Let us know who you are, and we'll talk about something interesting. How about that? (laughs) So, for next episode, when it comes to Captain Marvel, if you have seen it, I'd love to get your thoughts and opinions. If you have any thoughts and opinions on what happened today, you can always leave them in the chat, or you can email feedback at quality3.net. Yes, I do check that email on a regular basis. So, if you have any thoughts about what we discussed today, or you want to have a question about something we discussed in the... Uh, have discussed in the past, or you have an idea for something you want to know what me or Chris or James or someone thinks about it, please feel free to let us know. Um, when Chris, when, if Chris is able to get back uh, in the next episode, there are things we're probably going to talk about. So if you have thoughts about, say, the Activision Blizzard layoffs or 
anything like that. That's or the upcoming Lord of the Rings TV show because the news has started to break on that, and I'm not going to make James sit through that because I know that's that would be the point where he would literally get up and then my joke about a broom being my co-host would stop being a joke and it would actually happen because he won't want to be part of that conversation. But those are things that are on our agenda and we will be discussing in the future. So please feel free to give us those scenes and I think we're gonna wrap it out. So let's wrap for the day. Wrap it for the day. Again, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. All the stuff is gonna be down here at the bottom. Hold on, hold on, wait, wait for it, wait for it. And now like, follow, subscribe from these places here. If you want. If you want. You don't have to. No, you have to. You also have to click are the bell. So if I subscribe, are you going to spam me with like a new thing every single day? No, I will only spam you with a new thing every two weeks because we broadcast every two weeks. So just a reminder about the, the, the show, not like a... <laughs> like, my thoughts on... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just remember, every other Sunday. Every other Sunday. Every unless, other Sunday. Unless... Something. Something happens. <laughs> like this week. Like this week. <laughs> You'll not be seeing me again. <laughs> Logan is firing me. All right. James, you're fired. <laughs> Bye.